Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Conversation with Priya. I'm your host, Priya Mishra. Thank you for joining in today. And today, uh, we have a guest, Lance Scholar. Coaches business in importing, exporting, and global trading to better navigate the minefield of international trade and transport safety. He helps businesses to understand the rules, process, players, documents, and cost, and show how to mitigate those risks. Nicknamed the Savvy Navigators, Lance has been involved in international trade and transport since 1968. He has played varied role ever since, which included freight forwarding, Austrade export advisor, tutor at a number of universities and community colleges. In his current role as online coaches and educator, Lance helps global businesses propel forward towards success in importing, exporting, international trade and transportation. He lives in Sydney and today he's joining in us on Zoom to help me to welcome Lance Scholar from Sydney. Hello, Lance. Uh, welcome to our show, Conversation with Priya. Thank you for joining in. Welcome. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, nice seeing you again after a while, but uh, it is an honor. Um, how today we want to start with like how your whole journey started. Would you like to explain a bit first of your journey for our audience? Yeah, well, that's a good question because um, just thinking back, it probably started with my, as a kid, my father was involved in export of a product called Horlicks Malted Milk. Mm. I was, um, he had a, you know, we lived at Camaray on Middle Harbour. Yeah. And um, he, he had an office originally in King Street in Sydney, but also later at mm -hmm. Crow's Nest. So it was very close to home. But he would talk about, you know, war strikes and loading ships and this yeah. is this is back in the the early 60s when i was a kid right and then um i think it was about 12 years old mm -hmm. and he was invited by the blue star line a shipping line uh because he exported you know to to sri lanka and i think to india the pacific islands he was invited to go on a cargo ship as a guest of the line and basically those cargo ships did have a, a number of small cabins, wow. but but we basically, you know, had had uh, our meals with the captain uh, in in the sort of a stateroom, and the great thing was that I was an only child, and the yeah. captain had his wife, right, and his son who was about the same age as me. And I think I think he was a New Zealander from memory. I could mm -hmm. be wrong, mm -hmm. but we had the run of the ship, and yeah. and I say that literally, but metaphorically. Too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So we spent a lot of time going up, like to the the bow of the ship. There was the the chippy, the the, mm. the carpenter type of thing. There was a sparky and an electrician, and we and so different people on the ship would sort of you know invite us to see what they were doing. And yeah. back in this is before containers. Uh, it was. It must have been, you know, about 1961 or two, something like that. Yeah. And um, so I learned, you know, we, we went from Sydney to Queensland, mm -hmm. well, Brisbane, to Townsville, Cairns, and then back yeah. down to Sydney. So yeah. at each port, I was watching the cranes, 
lift the slings with cargo in it, unload it and all that sort of thing. Wow. I mean, I didn't watch it for hours, but I was aware of what was going on. Sure. So then um, when I, I, I finished my high school certificate in 1968, was a matter of I applied for a number of jobs. I wasn't going to university. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had sort of going into uh, the army in, as a musician because I was in wow. brass bands and things. Very anyway, <laughs> so, so then anyway, I thought I'll apply for a few jobs and there were a number of them relating to import export customs brokers and I don't think they called freight forwarders that yeah. name at that time. Yeah. But anyway, I, I applied for three jobs and got the three of them. <laughs> they were the good old days. <laughs> so then I had to choose uh, yeah, which one yeah. do I which yeah. and I, I so I went with a company called Australasian Transport and Shipping mm -hmm. Agency, Company Proprietary Limited. Wow. Known, yeah. known for short as AT and SA. So they're down mm -hmm. in um, Sussex Street. Right. Uh, they're not, you know, not there anymore. And the ships used to come into Sydney Harbour, PMI. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that sort of thing, Darling Harbour. Um, and so it was a great company and I um, I progressed quite quickly, went from the bills clerk to doing compiling of the customs broking entry. So I was in the customs section mm. of the, and they had a fleet of trucks. <laughs> and then I've only been there a bit over a year and a union rep for the Federated Clerks Union came in and said, uh, I'd like you, you know, to join the union. I said, right. oh, I'd prefer not to, thank you. He said, well, <laughs> we will get the, the the truckies union to go out and strike for this company if you don't join. And I said, anyway, anyway, I could go on and on, but I won't. So I went, I got a job at 3M Australia, Minnesota Mining Manufacturing, mm -hmm. and up at Pimble, and I joined their custom section, which was part of uh, purchasing. But I was also involved with the export side of thing. I liaised with the export department. Sure. From there, I went to um, another uh, American company, mm -hmm. as 3M was, uh, Baxter Healthcare. Right. And they were at, uh, actually, they were at Rosebury when I joined them, but they were actually in the process of building a factory at uh, Old Toongabbie. They're still yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was there for a few years. And from there, I... I uh, I did a TAFE course on management, mm -hmm. and and I applied for my uh, customs broker's license. Now I did exams with customs. They were actually running a TAFE course, but it hadn't completed the three or four years that it would take. So right. customs still ran courses, uh, you know, not exams. You had to do your own self study. Mm -hmm. So I got my customs broker's license, and then I decided to start up my own brokerage <laughs> as a freight right. forward and a customs broker. Uh, so I, I did that. I merged with a, another company down, you know, 13, 14 years yeah. down the track. Uh, I, I became a, a, a partner or a, a director of a number of companies. Yeah. And then we sold that company to a, a New Zealand company. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got a few assignments. I was with Main Freight at the time, a great New Zealand-based company, mm -hmm. uh, as the international trade consultant. Yeah. And I got approached by a, a, a mate from school at Crosnes Boys High School, and he was with the New South Wales Business Chamber. And he said, um, I'd like to have you join our, our business, but you'd be contracted to Austrade, the Australian Trade and Investment yeah. Corporate uh, Commission. Yeah. And I said, mm, I don't know about that. He said, well, 
I'll come out to where you where are you working? And I said, the mainframe. He said, I'll come out and have lunch with you. So I had a chat to him and I thought, yeah, maybe I'll give that a whirl. So I joined Austrade as a as a contractor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was back in, I think it was 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was there for a few years and then I got involved in the end of t- 2008 mm-hmm. with um, social media. Right. I was, I'd, I was running courses. I had been since 97 um, on import-export. So import-export made it easy or what was it called then, import-export, an overview of the basics. It was a two-day course yeah. on Saturdays. And uh, so, well, I know a lot about importing. I know less about exporting. So working for Austrade would obviously give me a bigger insight into the, the world system. So yeah. I did that. But then, as I said, I got involved with, uh, from my courses, a number of people sent me LinkedIn and Facebook invitations. And originally I thought, what's that? I don't, yeah. I don't know about that. And then I Googled, how would you use that for business? And I thought, oh, I better join this. So I joined. <laughs> so after, after oh, about six months of testing, trying mm-hmm. things out, particularly between Twitter and LinkedIn, I found that I could build my LinkedIn network globally mm. and and use Twitter to build that. So I then thought, well, business in general, small business, because I was used to small business myself, mm. I could do, um, I could help people with their social media to promote their small business. So I left there to start doing, you know, a consulting job and working with small business people. Um, so that I did that for a number of years and then I thought the people that I work with, it was great, I helped them, but once I left, you go and look at their social media, their Twitter, their LinkedIn, maybe their Facebook or whatever, and it, it just went zero. They did nothing. Yeah, yeah, they thought, don't maintain it, yeah. They yeah. paid me to help them, mm-hmm. but I thought what was the point of that? That was a yeah. waste of money on there because because they didn't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. So I've decided to pivot back into doing courses, you know, training and, and that again. And obviously the pandemic's uh, created yeah. the environment for online training. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So that's very interesting. So that brings to my next question. How do you deal with the various geographic when it comes to the freight forwarding due to the different custom rules? Well, um you have to be aware. So I'm, I'm talking now from an Australian perspective because that's where I've been based. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'll try and put it because both you and I have global audiences and I'm sure yeah. there'll be people from other countries that will that yeah, I'm watching watch this. this. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'll talk initially and then sort of expand. So if people are importing and I was looking after their customs clearance, sometimes the supplier from overseas to Mm -hmm. Australia would supply the tariff classification, the harmonised system, which is the World Customs Organisation has those 97 chapters with the four-digit codes. Um, But if they actually included that on their invoice, I would check it out compared Mm -hmm. to our Australian customs tariff Mm-hmm. I'd say, no, I don't think that's actually correct. So that's one thing. Don't assume that when you're given information from another country, their classification, it may not actually be relevant to an Australian uh, customs. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, um, let's see, in Australia, 
we had, as I just mentioned, we have the Australian customs tariff. Right. But for exports, the Bureau of Statistics has a similar but different classification. It's called the Australian yeah. Harmonised Export mm -hmm. uh, Commodity Classification. So even so, you can't use the same import classification uh, that we'd use as a customs broker in Australia for export because it's different. The, the Bureau of Australian Bureau of Statistics has a different classification system. Right. It's similar but different. So right. if we take that to a global situation, if people in other countries like India or the UK or the European Union, people should be careful mm -hmm. what the classifications are for import into their country right. and also when they, they're exporting out, are they using the correct classification within their own country so that they're not contravening any rules that could cause issues with their, their jurisdiction. Wow, very interesting and very deep detail. So what have you been learning from your career and you can still imply in your entrepreneurial shape? Um, I guess... Some of the important things to consider yeah. is um, learn. This is a phrase I, I coined a number of years ago in my courses. Sure. Learn to love your documents. Now, yeah. I, I don't love documents. My <laughs> career has been dealing with other people's documents. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but the thing is, I don't love them. Well, let me put it another way. I don't like the documents. Yeah. It's frustrating to do it, but that was my business. So I loved them because they they gave me income because people yeah. gave those documents to do yeah. to do the right thing so yeah. that they could conduct their business. So I think that applies particularly in import export, the documents that are required to get the goods from one country to another, to clear customs out of one country into another country mm. and things like quarantine or health department situations, you have to cross the T's and dot the I's to the nth degree to get it yeah. right. Because if you don't get it right, things yeah. go wrong. Yeah. And when things go wrong, it costs you money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's something I would say that if you love your trade, you love everything in, involved with that trade, you know? So once you, mm. once you master in your area, wherever you want to master, whatever is your expertise uh, or wherever you are doing business, if you don't know your trade, you, you, you are screwed up already. Right. So it's a, exactly. And if you, if you love your trade, the profession you have chosen and you're passionate about it, you love every part of it, you know? That's um, right. And if you're not, trade will make you to love you. Like anyway, it's, <laughs> it's a post love. <laughs> So it's going to happen sooner or later. But it, having said that, have free trade agreement made any difference to international trade and which are some of the best such agreements? Do you have anything to say about it? Just sorry, repeat that again for me. So have, like, you know, have a free trade agreement made oh, yeah, any yeah. difference to international trade? Yeah, well, it certainly has to Australia and I, mm -hmm. I really can't, I guess it has to other countries as well, but from yeah. an Australian point of view, yeah. um, early in my career, um, Australia and New Zealand was the first free trade agreement. And it makes sense because we're so close um, across the ditch, as we yeah. say. 
but but also we're very close um, as two countries that um, share similar uh, ideals yeah. and whatever. Um, so we had a free trade agreement. I forget what it was actually called back in the day, but it was there. Mm. Um, with Australia, since uh, probably the late 80s, early 90s, I guess, uh, pursued free trade agreements. And some of those are uh, USA, China, uh, ASEAN, the group yeah. of nations, yeah. Southeast Asia, um, um, Japan. There's a number of, over the years, they've negotiated. Yeah, now, yeah. currently, the Australian government, and I'm not too close to what's happening with free trade agreements, but um, I know they're in negotiations with uh, India, with the UK because of Brexit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also with the European Union as yeah. a whole without the UK. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and some other countries that they're negotiating with at the moment. Now, the benefit of free trade agreements, uh, two things from an importer's point of view, that um, if there's a free trade agreement with the country that the supplier is sending their goods from, you can get a reduced uh, duty rate uh, that's been agreed by both countries. And so um, I, I can remember now, what, where was it? Uh, the client was actually importing, I think it was from Bangladesh, and because there was a free trade agreement with yep. them, I, I think I'm right. It might be the, a different country anyway, but you had to have a document signed by a certain organisation in the yeah. the country's government to get it. So without that document, you couldn't take advantage of that reduced um, duty rate. So that's an important part. If you're dealing with a, another country that has a free trade agreement, you have to find out what are the documents you need, both as an importer, but also if you're going to export to an overseas country, what documents do you have to provide to your customer in that overseas country? So there's some things that uh, yeah, are really so it important. Make, it makes life. And I, I heard that there are a lot of recent agreements happens with the EU, some treaty signed up. There, there are a huge... Um, Treaty happens with the all Asian countries, um, and Asia was also part of that. India refused to join in in that one, mm. uh, but that is gonna be a very big contribution to the overall GDP. So there are a lot of things happening in that space, and I think it is need, uh, considering the current situation um, in the whole overall trade going on. Um, it is going to be very different situation overall, mm. but I'm sure going forward is going to only improve. Like, could you explain now how can companies overcome the challenges to the international trade from the COVID-19 epi epidemic? Well, yeah. there's there's many, but let's um, let's um, think about it. So, from an Australian perspective, and really this probably applies to most countries as well because planes have basically, majority of planes aren't flying anymore, particularly yeah. passenger planes. But remember on passenger planes, there's a lot of cargo in the belly of the aircraft and underneath the seats that we sit on on those planes, there's a lot of cargo. Yeah. And because those passenger planes aren't flying or very mm -hmm. few of them are, it means there's no uh, cargo. Now in Australia's uh, situation, the Austrade, um, the Australian Trade and Investment Commission, they uh, 
brought in uh, some people and set up a little division, finding ways to actually uh, deal with airlines to carry cargo to and from Australia. So one of them was obviously to um, China because there was... Yeah. So, so the other thing to go backwards, when yeah. China first had the coronavirus, that meant a lot of uh, supply problems were there. People getting their supplies from China had issues because they weren't producing or they had limited production capability and also getting the goods out of China was an issue. Then we had in Australia and other countries too, demand situations. So yes, the supplies might be have resumed from China, but yeah, the demand yeah. is released because of the COVID had affected those importing countries. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. So yeah. that's the air freight side of things. But yeah. What what happened? This uh, initiative by Austrade, they've helping particularly for perishable foodstuffs to go overseas and also import things like uh, PPE equipment uh, and yeah. medical supplies. Okay. Yeah. On the sea freight side, uh, containerization has revolutioned. Uh, sorry, revolutionised the world. Yeah. And that's how it's enabled global trade over the last 20, 30, 40 years. For sure. But the problem now is a lot of containers get caught up in Australia and they can't get the empty containers to go back to China or India or the USA because there's gridlock. If, if I can, if, if you're in the CBD yeah. of a, a, a major city and you get a traffic yeah. jam, nothing can move. And that's what's happening Ooh. both in Australia, the USA, uh, I know in the UK and, and the European Union, there's, there's, there's congestion of containers trying to unload and find empty ones to take the goods out of that country. So, wow. the, and what's happening with that is the freight rates and the handling rates costs mm -hmm. are going up. It's, oh, yeah, of course. So yeah. you might be able to get, get the goods moving, but it's going to cost you a lot more. And so yeah. for people who were thinking at this point of time in January 2021, yeah. Um, if you're thinking about going into import export, if you're going to think about it very seriously, check out yeah. all the things you need to do before you commit money to do it. If you're currently involved in import export, I don't have to tell you the, the problems that are there, yeah. but you yeah. need to think about what are your contracts that you've got in place now? Mm -hmm. Do you re need to renegotiate them? And yeah. particularly the INCO terms, the international commercial terms, Terms yeah. put out by the International Chamber of Commerce in Paris, France. Mm -hmm. Maybe the eco terms you're using expose you to additional costs that you might be able to get rid of if you renegotiate your eco term and get the other party, whether they're yeah. an ex importer or an exporter, to take more of a loss on their their side of things. Interesting. So it's uh, it's a. Um it's a bigger picture to see like people should be able to, you know, having your current one, it's like really mind growing for people to understand the detailed problem, what is going on. Not many people understand that that detail level is, they think that, oh, there is a delay, but there are many nitty gritty involved in it. Uh, very, very interesting. So it, uh, do you think it's going to recover 
after this whole vaccine because I know I like we got TJ approval for Pfizer and all, but I'm just thinking how long this is gonna take because we are already impacted due to our 10 years of drought and fire issues and all. And now all these trade issues, how long it is gonna take for import export for uh, companies to come over up, out of it? You know? Look, I'd said last year, I don't think, you know, 2020 was going to be the end of it. But as we come into 2021, I think, I think it's going to be another few years before it gets back to, and I don't, it's not going to get back to what it was like uh, before 2020. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a different situation, but to come back to some sort of stability. Yeah. I think we're going to see three or four years before we get, you know, we can mm -hmm. sort of say we're out of that uh, COVID-19 situation and this is the new normal. But yeah. I, I think it's going to be a number of years because um, I don't even think with, let's say the the uh, the vaccines get out there, yeah. not only in Australia but around the world, mm -hmm. there's other strains coming up. So they probably have to get new vaccines for the new strains. Yeah. So I, 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 it's not something that's just, you know, we put up stop sign and said that's the end of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's going to be a continuing thing. We'll just have to live with it mm -hmm. and we'll have to work with it in a, a business sense. We'll have to yeah. understand yeah. we have to do things as we yeah. are doing now. Yeah, Yeah. we <laughs> have to adopt because I, have, I was listening a news article uh, recently and in that they were mentioning that by the time everybody will get the vaccine, because it's not about one country or one zone, mm. it's about overall, all overall, like 190 countries. By the time everybody will get that, it's like five to seven years of time, you know? Yeah, I, as you were talking, I just remembered uh, seeing, and I'd heard about it on, um, you know, on the internet, but I'd saw uh, a news item about how in, let's say, Colombia, I think it was, or any uh, coffee plantation uh, country, yeah, they can't they can't get the the people to pick the the coffee beans, right? So that coffee industry is going to get pretty much decimated uh it won't it won't go away but it'll yeah. take a long time to recover mm. and so that's just one little in part of an industry of the food and beverage industry that's yeah highly yeah. impacted you know yeah yeah same coffee industry event is we are already impacted tourism is already impacted airlines associated industry of tourism and events are already is impacted so they are huge impact already mm. we can see already we can see um, and it's you just don't see one thing is going down. Once one thing goes down, the surroundings also, the other elements also involved in it. So it's, it's a huge impact overall economy. We can claim that we recovered the recession in Australia, but there is a bigger impact is still, I believe it still needs to be seen and uh, analyzed. We need to need to go in more detail into that. It's my last question to you. Could you share some interesting case study from your long-term career, if people wants to join in import-export industry now for the youngsters? Well, I guess, as I said before, that if people are thinking about going into it, and look, there's opportunities. Mm. Um, I think I think it was, uh, oh, what's his name? Anyway, the, the, the saying goes, significant competitive advantages lies 
with those organisations and individuals mm -hmm. that anticipate well in turbulent times. Yeah. Now, I think it's the, the, the father of modern um, marketing. I can't think of his name at the moment. Yeah. But any, anyway, that's the saying. So there's going to be people, and in fact, I had a call from a, a former student of mine. She did my course, two-day yeah. course, back in September 2009. Wow. And she wow. contacted me. She says, I'm, we've got TGA um, and FDA, the Federal Drug Administration in yeah, the USA, yeah. approval yeah. for these face marks, their nanotechnology and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, I want help to be able to export them. So I've gone through a number of things with her in, and she's having some meetings today. But the thing is, um, they're probably, and, and I've spoken to a, a, a contact at uh, New South Wales government um, trade uh, person that I used to work with back, sure. back in my Austrade days. Yeah. And she said, well, there's a lot of competition because everyone's making <laughs> these things at the moment. But I think there may be... Um, some real because of who they're working with government approvals so they might be able to do better yeah but, yeah but even and it's so, also said, about marketing narrative how you how you actually pass the message yeah but i said have you had any experience he's got a, a you know a business partner in it has he had an experience with export or import no so they're going to really have to think through all yeah. the issues involved with those things we talked about before, you know, yeah. sea yeah. freight, air freight, the problems, the costs, all those mm -hmm. things. So you really have to go in, do your research, yeah. then you have to do your planning, you have to think about all the risks involved and how you mitigate those risks. Yeah. yeah. So I'll probably leave it at that because we could go on for two hours what those risks <laughs> are. <laughs> no, very interesting. Yeah, of course, they have to go and do the detail. And you have uh, nailed down a lot of uh, nitty-gritty details. People should go and think about it. It's a, it's a really very unique industry, for sure. And it has mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity and a scope to grow. But And also, government is supporting a lot. No doubt about it. Government, they are, yeah. Australian government. I'm sure governments around the world are probably trying to help their export in particular yeah. because yeah. that brings revenue into their their own country. Yeah. And also soft power involved in that when you yeah, exactly. when it comes to that. So it's not just only the product and the revenue. It's also there are lots a lot of soft power when one product goes to the another country and get, get the name and fame out of it. So it's it's also a country position. So I'm pretty sure everybody's trying to support on it. But yeah, it's it's a long journey yet uh, to recover out of this and bringing the new new era. There will be a different ways, I believe, to do the overall business. Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are already adopting to that and coming up with the new ideas. Mm. Looking forward to see that. Thank you so much for joining that uh, today, Lance. It was, an, again, honor to listen to you and hear your story. And I'm sure the audience will get a lot from you. Thank you so much for joining in today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you liked it, like, comment and subscribe if you haven't already done it. To know more about us, visit www.corporality.global. And also you can find more about Priya Mishra is on priya.sydney.